Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you're going to hear from Bev Ross and Sam Bolton. They are homesteaders, accidental hobby farmers, and the hosts of the We Drink and We Farm Things comedy podcast. It is a podcast about farming and it's funny. Like you don't typically find those two things together. You might laugh at my accent, but typically this isn't a comedy show. So (laughs) I'm so excited that this is a part one of two podcast episode series. So you'll hear from Bev and Sam right now on the Rural Woman podcast. And as soon as you're done here, head on over to the We Drink and We Farm Things podcast to hear part two. That's right. Two parts. They interviewed me on their podcast. So it was really fun. I had a great afternoon chatting with the ladies about farming and about our goats and about our lives as first generation farmer ladies. And it was so fun. But before we get to today's episode, let's go over the review of the week. And the review of the week comes from Cows and Gardens over on Apple Podcasts. It's a five-star rating titled Community. And it says, this podcast has brought together women from around the world. Everyone's story is a bit different, but we all have common goals of building something for ourselves, our families, and prove that we can. It's inspiring to hear so many hardworking women. I Absolutely agree, Cows and Gardens, and thank you so much for your great review over on iTunes. And I would encourage you, if you have been enjoying the Royal Woman podcast, would you mind leaving a rating and review over on iTunes? This helps with the show in its algorithm and its ranking so people can find the show and we can build a bigger community here for the Royal Woman podcast. And speaking of community, have you joined the Royal Woman podcast community over on Facebook yet? There are so many great ladies all in one place, listeners of the show, past guests of the show, everybody all in one place in community with one another. And I would highly encourage you to join. So head on over to Facebook and you can type in either Wild Rose Farmer and you'll find it that way or type in the Rural Woman Podcast community. And without further ado, let's get to part one of two of this double bonus podcast goodness with Bev and Sam. Bev and Sam, how are you? We're great. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you so much for being on the Rural Woman podcast today. Oh, we're so excited to be here. I should say I'm excited slash a little bit nervous to be interviewing professionals such as yourselves. Um, (laughs) Before we hit record, they were talking about things like gain on microphones. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know what that is. So (laughs) I don't think anybody's ever called us a professional at anything. Well, (laughs) I know I feel kind of fancy right now. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) Super fancy. I can't wait to learn all of the things about you. This episode is all about teaching. And Caitlin, how to be a real podcaster. So tune in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and teaching all of the listeners how to be a podcaster if they want to be. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. Bev and Sam, (laughs) take some time. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and who you are and where you're from. Do you want to go first, Sam, or do you want me to? 
I can go first, I guess. So my name is Sam Bolton. You can find me over on the Instagrams at chicken.and.wine. <laughs> and I am a hobby farmer that, and it was kind of an accidental situation, honestly. I have farmers in my family, but I recently bought a house. I guess it was a couple of years ago now, but the house came with chickens and I'd never had chickens before. So I was of the attitude of, well, if I don't like them, I'll just, you know, eat them or sell them or something. So the house came with 13 chickens. Now I just tell people that I have 70 chickens when it's actually probably closer to 100. Um, (laughs) And I also have ducks, geese, goats, bunnies. I have all kinds of stuff. And I am in the, I guess it's kind of lower middle-ish of Michigan. I'm about 30 minutes east of Lansing in a little town called Fowlerville. No pun intended. And yeah, and I live here with all of my animals and my husband and I have two stepkids. So that is a little roundabout about me. So now I can pass it off to Bev. So before you pass it off to me, you have to tell us where on the mitten Fowlerville is, because that's a very Michigan thing to tell us where you live. It's kind of tricky because it's like nowhere excited. Like it's not located near like one of the fingers or the (laughs) edge. It's kind of like the middle, but down. (laughs) It's like where your lifeline is if you held your hand up. Kind of, yeah. I guess so. Now I'm just staring at my hand like an idiot. (laughs) That's okay. Same. Same. (laughs) So I'm Bev Ross, and I live in southern Ohio in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. You can see some of them actually from our hill, which is pretty cool. And I moved to Ohio just a couple of years ago from Phoenix, Arizona, because I always knew that I wanted to be a farmer in some semblance. I always wanted to live on a farm. I always wanted to be near animals. I'm really into food. So food was really like my motivation, I guess, if I had to give one. I like to eat really good things, and I like to eat things that I created like from the ground up, literally. So that's kind of how I got started, and I convinced my husband and my kids to leave the city and move to this tiny town of, gosh, 950 people maybe, if we're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we got here. I can't believe it's been two years. It's been about a year and a half since we've been doing the podcast. So yeah, when we first started, I was always like, we just moved and just got it started on this. And no, it's not that anymore. Now I've been here for years. (laughs) It goes by so fast. It It does. Well, and it goes by in seasons. So that's part of it too. It feels like longer because we've had like eight clear distinctions of time because of the changing seasons. (laughs) Right. And Bev, what do you do on your farm or homestead? So I have chickens and four goats and a donkey. And I've got a brooder with some baby chicks in it in the barn. I just got a couple of barn cats, which is kind of exciting because I've had cats in, gosh, like a decade and a half at least. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a mouse problem. So we decided cats was the solution. (laughs) 
that is the best solution and the cutest yes. solution out of all yes. of them. <laughs> and we have a couple of what I like to call anti-farm dogs because they're not very good farm dogs. They just dig giant holes for the mower to fall into and try to eat the chickens. <laughs> I have the same farm dog. Well, she's kind of a wannabe farm dog, but if I let her out like all the other farm dogs were, she'd be in Saskatchewan for most of her life because she would just keep <laughs> sniffing and going from there. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Bev and Sam, how on earth did you two meet up with one another? How did this whole thing start for you two? So Bev stalked me on the internet, <laughs> which is kind of a dramatic way to explain that she stumbled across me on Instagram I believe we started following each other. And then at the time, I had a YouTube channel. And I also had pink hair at the time. And I was getting on my YouTube channel at the time and trying to just tell people that they can enjoy wine without having to be bougie about it. You didn't have to sound like a snob or be a snob to enjoy wine. And I was also talking about farming things at the time, too. And then all of a sudden, this one day, I get a message from Bev on Instagram, she's like, I think we should start a podcast together. And I was just kind of like, okay. So, <laughs> you know how, like, your mom told you not to talk to strangers when you were little? I think <laughs> the internet kind of destroyed that whole thing, especially with the farming community, because <laughs> we do like to talk to each other. And then we had one phone conversation to make sure that we had, like, podcast chemistry and then we just ripped the Band-Aid off and did it. And we podcasted for a few months before we actually met each other in person. That's crazy. See, yes. the internet brings all types of people together. Recently, I actually came down <laughs> to the States. I flew down to Chicago and I was picked up by my friend Kylie, who's at Love and Lavender. And Aww. it was so oh, funny. Yes. I got out of the airport and I just like walked to her car and jumped in and I was like, hey, Hey, and then we just left and it, everybody was like, well, was it weird? Was it like a first date kind of thing? I was like, no, I've been talking to her for like a year. She's like one of my best friends. So I just Aww. got into her car. Right. And then we went up and met with all of these other women that we met on the Internet. So <laughs> explaining that to my mother, that's oh. what I was doing for my summer vacation. She was like, are you like concerned at all that these people could be serial killers? And I was like, <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll find out, but they seem pretty normal, so. <laughs> I definitely joked with Bev about that the first time I went to her house, which was the second time we had hung out in person. She was giving me a tour of her basement, and I was like, is this when you kill me now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are, we were going on a field trip to go see My Favorite Murder yes. live, so. <laughs> yes. So, but, you know, I'm still here <laughs> and obviously we get along great. We've done a few things together now. So I feel incredibly lucky and I've definitely have so much gratitude for Bev having the cojones to reach out to a stranger on the internet and be like, let's do a podcast because it's been absolutely incredible and such a great opportunity in so many different ways. That's awesome. So let's go back to your homesteads a bit. Do you call them homesteads or do you consider them to be farms? That's a tough one because I never considered myself to be like a real farmer. Like I always struggled with that on Instagram because like 
I would try to play along with like the farmer hashtag days. And then it was like, I kind of feel like a poser because I don't sell anything that I do here on my farm. But I kind of switch back and forth between hobby farm, homestead and farm, because I realized that like all of the work that I do here and getting to talk to farmers and like actually find out that they don't think I'm ridiculous for calling myself a farmer. I feel more comfortable using that term. And it really is like a whole nother job in some semblance because of, you know, taking care of all of the animals and taking care of the land and learning all of the things to grow or raise or learn how to butcher. Like even though I'm just doing it for myself and my friends and my family and my neighbors, I'm like, yeah, I'm their farmer because I'm providing food for them. So I decided that that's how I'm justifying it in my head. <laughs> it makes sense to me. <laughs> and what about you, Sam? Yeah, and you're a real farmer, so. <laughs> <laughs> some, but honestly, some days I don't feel like a real farmer. There are days where I'm just kind of like, uh, no, I'm just the farmer's wife. And then mm. there's days where I'm out on the swather or riding the lawnmower and it catches on fire like I did today. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'm like, nope, I'm a real farmer. I can call myself that. Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a struggle and I feel like we're not the only ones that experience that. So I definitely kind of feel the same way and Bev and I have talked about something called imposter syndrome before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I have that and part of it for me stems from actually having farmers in my family for generations and generations. Like my grandma doesn't even like thinking back, can't think of a generation where we didn't farm. So for me, sometimes it feels like I'm just collecting baby animals that grow into big animals. And that's how like my little zoo has kind of exploded. So sometimes I feel like a zookeeper. <laughs> um, so I kind of struggle a little bit with that too, but I've gotten more comfortable with calling what I do farming. And it's been really a journey too, even though it's been like two years, only two years, two and a half years, because the original goal was to hatch and sell chicks. But we ended up getting avian leukosis in our flock, which is basically like chicken HPV, and it's spread through chicken sex and from the mama hen to the chick that hatches. So it's not like I can really sell my chickens and keep a good moral consciousness. So I, you know, just kind of keep everything within my own flock and trying to breed immunity into my own birds. But as of right now, I do like to breed and sell bunnies. And I started a flock of geese that includes Avestapools, which are very fancy geese. And you can sell them for crazy money um, <laughs> as little guys and gals. So my plan is to breed and sell those. So that's kind of how I justify my farmer-ish stuff right now. I haven't gone to do like the butchering or things like that quite yet, but it's something we're looking at doing. And I feel like as I slowly add on to things, that imposter syndrome will just kind of like go away and maybe just creep up once in a while. <laughs> well, from all of the things that you just said, you sound like a farmer to me. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, all we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenai Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017, and I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. 
I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now back to our episode. So tell us what a typical day on your homesteads look like then. Do you have jobs off of the farm? Are you on the farm full-time? So I work from home full-time. When we moved from Arizona to Southern Ohio, I was able to keep my job that I had in Arizona. So I work at home and it is a full-time gig. But I'm here all day, which has been super helpful because with having, you know, 11 chickens and five baby chicks and a donkey with an attitude problem and four (laughs) goats that can't figure out how to do the things that they're supposed to do. It's been nice to be able to go out and kind of like check on everybody and take care of everybody throughout the day. So I'm not a morning person. So my day doesn't start until like 630 when it absolutely has to when the kids get up because I have to get them (laughs) off to school. (laughs) So that makes me feel like a fake farmer in that sense because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get up to milk goats when it gets to that point (laughs) because I would stay in bed all day if I could. (laughs) And usually like I start the day with coffee and I walk around and I do say good morning to every animal as I walk out there. So everybody gets a scratch and everybody gets a good morning. And that gives me the opportunity to kind of assess everyone and see how everyone's doing, see if anything weird is cropping up. And then I usually walk through my garden, see if anything's ready to be harvested. And then I'll go make sure that the kids are done getting ready, take them off to school. And then I sit down at my desk and get started. And then whenever I need a break, I just get up and walk out to the pasture and either play with someone or give someone a treat or work on training with someone. And it works out really well. And then I kind of do the opposite in the evening. I kind of walk around as it starts to get to dusk, make sure the chickens went in. My 13-year-old, no, he's 14 now. He just turned 14 last week. (laughs) My 14-year-old is responsible for the chickens. So I just kind of go in and make sure that he actually did count them and that they do have food and water because he forgets (laughs) some of the steps sometimes. (laughs) And that's it. That's my typical day of farming chores. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It can take as little or as much time as I need it to. But, you know, some days troughs have to be dumped out and scrubbed. And other times somebody pooped in the feeder. So I've got to go out there with the bleach water and a rag and wipe a feeder out before somebody can get fed. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes the stall needs to be mucked. But usually it just takes me like 20, 25 minutes in the morning if I'm you know, needing to be in a hurry. And then the evening can take 10 or 15 minutes, which is it was just really nice. It means anyone can technically do it no matter how tight their schedule is. But I prefer to kind of stretch it out and make it last mm-hmm. for as long as I possibly can. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like farm chores are almost therapeutic, especially if you've had oh, yeah. to do like real work all day, like on an office or in front of a computer. Like for me, it's like to get outside and just to go say good morning or say hello to Taco the cats. Like it's therapeutic (laughs) for me. Yeah, it helps reset my brain for sure. Yes. 
And Sam, what does your typical day look like for you? So I am lucky enough to work from home three days a week. And then I have to commute into East Lansing about two days a week, which is like a 35 commute there, 35 minutes back. So it's not that bad, especially for only two days a week. But from the days that I get to work from home on those mornings, I usually am like just stumble out of my bed and grab some coffee and do a few work tasks really early and then take a quick break after the coffee kicks in. And I've looked at some work emails for a while and do morning chores. And I kind of do the same thing as Bev where I go around and say hi to everybody. Not everybody gets pets and scratches though (laughs) but they do get a good morning hello and the geese are rather mouthy when I let them out so usually it's an are you talking to me kind of conversation that we have Um, but my favorite part is going in and feeding the goats and letting them out and seeing them in the mornings and then feeding the cats that we have we have a couple barn cats and then we have a cat that I like to call a porch cat because he randomly just started coming to my yard and then I started feeding him wet food and now he's mine even though my husband says he's not mine I believe he is because he lives here (laughs) finders Um, keepers (laughs) yeah he actually rides around on my shoulders when I do chores which he doesn't get to do right now because it's summertime and it's hot and I have tank top on and he has claws so he's looking forward to sweater weather so he can enjoy that ride again He's quite adorable. But (laughs) on days that I work at the office, my husband, he's the one that does the stuff in the morning because he doesn't have to leave as early as I choose to. And then when I come home, usually he beats me home and he does the night chores. But on days that I get to work from home, I try to do the bulk of chores, like the water change out and all that fun stuff around lunchtime so that he can have those days off. So we definitely like tag team this farm thing during the week and then on the weekend you know it's whoever gets to what first he he prefers to mow the lawn because he's very particular about the lines <laughs> and I just get it done if I were to do it so usually I end up doing that but I too find that that the farm chores help us like create an escape from work stress during the week or even on the weekend and as a matter of fact, one time I, <laughs> I was on the way to the doctor during the day and I didn't like take the day off from work or whatever, but my blood pressure was so high because this guy just like really ticked me off at work to the point where like the people at the doctor's office were telling me about meditation apps because they were that worried about me. <laughs> so after that, it's kind of like a wake up call that my work, my job, I love it, but it can be very stressful. So I like to go outside when I'm feeling those those moments of stress and hang out with like a baby goat or something because you can't be mad or stressed out if you're holding a baby goat. So (laughs) I think the fact that I get to work from home three days a week makes me incredibly lucky and helps me keep my sanity because I can choose to go outside and get away for a minute. So I don't think that I have like quite a typical day because it kind of changes up so much, but, but I like that too. I think that's part of the best thing is it's something new every day and it's a different Mm -hmm. adventure. Some days they're exciting adventures and the other ones they're terrible and (laughs) you question question why you're doing this to begin with. But (laughs) Yeah, like the nights that the ducks just don't want to be walked in, they just decide just run circles around their duck house and the neighbors just look at me and laugh (laughs) and it's like, why am I doing this? I'm swearing at animals, like... 
it's just kind of funny that some days it goes so smooth and other days it doesn't. But that's the farm life. It sure is. So you guys do all of those things. And on top of it, you host a podcast. And your podcast is called We Drink and We Farm Things, which I just love. So tell us more (laughs) about the podcast, how it got started, what it's all about. So our podcast is a farm comedy podcast because we felt like the farming area needed some sort of like comedic relief because Mm. some of those days can be really stressful and awful and horrible. And it's nice to know that you're not the only one whose flock ends up with avian leukosis or Mm -hmm. you're not the only one that has a goat die of pneumonia or you're not alone when everything in the garden is dying or (laughs) when you can't figure out how to do this. And but it's not all downers. Like we talk a lot about the funny things that happen around here, too, because like Sam has rocketing duck poop all over her farm (laughs) all the time. And so it's just kind of a mix of of wanting to let people know that they're not alone in what they're dealing with. Like all of our farms are kind of funny, wacky, unpredictable places where anything can happen at any moment. (laughs) So that way when they're happening to you, you can be like, all right, I don't suck at this. I'm not a terrible goat mom or I'm not a terrible chicken keeper. Like this is just par for the course of living on a farm. Right. Right. And our little slogan is to drink farm and give zero clucks. And that's not meant to be rude to anybody, but it is meant to empower people to know that there isn't just one right way to do a lot of this farm stuff and that you can only do the best that you can with the information you have in that moment and to not beat yourself up. And we do kind of get a little twisted with our humor sometimes because, like Bev said, like, this isn't always rainbows and butterflies. So sometimes all you can do is laugh. And we wanted to create that community of people where they could feel safe to come into, you know, the Facebook group or comment on Instagram and tell us what's really going on with them. Because sometimes, I mean, scrolling through Instagram, you're like, gosh, my gardens don't look like that. My chicken coop has shit all over the place (laughs) or poop. And I can't compete with that. So it's the place where you can feel like a normal human being and feel like you don't have to be perfect all the time. So that was definitely one of the reasons why I was so on board with this concept of a farm comedy podcast was because I think we need more light in the world no matter what the topic is. So that's why I'm really proud of what we're doing and the community that we're creating. I love that. And I love that the comedy thing, because like you said, we need more light in the world and agriculture can sometimes not be such a fun place. It is, you know, we're dealt some pretty crappy cards every day and we choose Mm -hmm. to continue to do this every single day. And it's, it's a good thing to have a laugh once in a while. It makes the day go by a lot faster, right? So absolutely. How has podcasting helped you connect with others in agriculture? So we've been really lucky to get to talk to some real farmers and real heavy hitters in agriculture, which has been really humbling for me personally, because like I came from a place where When I started doing this, I was really into food and 
I was getting frustrated because I wanted like the best, healthiest ingredients that I could get to make the meals that I wanted to make and to feed my family. And I felt like I wasn't getting a straight answer from anyone on like what the best, you know, type of product was to go with or farm or company to buy things from. So it was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it myself. (laughs) And it turns out that's a lot harder than you think it's going to be when you get started. (laughs) Everyone needs a farmer, even if you're raising your own animals and have a giant garden. (laughs) But this gave us the opportunity to get to hear some of those stories from real farmers that are on the front lines of doing things like fighting climate change and creating healthier soil and farming more efficiently so that they can impact as many people as possible. Because coming from the suburbs, like I always thought that the best, like quote unquote, and I use that, you know, in quotes, the best way to buy your food was to only buy it from small local farms. But from getting to talk to some of these farmers, I've learned like, No, that's one way that you can buy your food and support your local economy. But there are also lots of really large scale production farmers that are doing their best to create a product that they're proud of, that feeds the earth, that feeds your body and just makes the world a better place. And you should support those big farmers, too. Big doesn't mean bad. Mm -hmm. And that was something that like really opened my eyes. And I don't know that I would have gotten that opportunity without doing this podcast. So we kind of ended up in some places that were really unexpected to me personally. I've learned a lot. I've changed my opinions on a lot of things. And I've really allowed it to be a growth opportunity for me personally. I like what you said about the big not being bad. And that is something I definitely too have toyed with the idea, right? Like not coming from agriculture and just hearing things in the media or people telling you that, oh, if big bad farmers and all of this kind of stuff, you should be buying from the farmer's markets all of the time and that kind of stuff. But when I come to our farm, which is a bigger production in agriculture, and I look what we're doing, I'm like, well, we're not doing anything wrong here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for not just people in agriculture, but people outside of agriculture to know that we all have a seat at the table. And whether you're conventional or you're organic, it doesn't matter, right? You're producing food to feed your family and the world. And I think all farmers are good farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's been really special for us to having the opportunity to attend and speak at Coop Camp, which is put on by Coop Dreams. We attended that in June, and it was really great to be able to connect with current and new listeners. And it was super rewarding to get feedback from them about, hey, you guys are funny. Because, I mean, Bev and I think we're hilarious, but to hear it from <laughs> other people, that was really nice. And to just be around chicken people for like a whole weekend and not feel like the weirdo in the room because you were surrounded by people that understood you and had the same interests as you. I thought that was really special and definitely like I already had a fire under my tush about the podcast, but like it lit it even more because what we're doing is so important, you know, and I think what you do is important too, because we're just creating opportunities for people to embrace who they are or to learn things about a topic that they don't know that much about. Right. I love that. I love that. That's a great answer, Sam. (laughs) Thanks. 
Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman podcast merchandise, shout outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. So what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody who is looking to start a podcast now that you are veteran pros at podcasting? <laughs> start where you are, 100%. Don't delay. Yeah. Just do it. Rip that bandaid off. <laughs> That's so funny because that's like the same piece that I would give and that you can't be that hard on yourself because there is definitely a learning curve and you just have to embrace that things will go wrong and it won't be perfect. But what's important is that you learn from that and just pick yourself up and keep going because there's never the perfect time, especially if you're trying to do a farm podcast, your life's already crazy, most likely. (laughs) So adding another thing. That would be a brand new skill to learn. It's going to be hard, but just just do it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, our very first episode we <laughs> recorded, Sam was sitting in her car in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at work on my lunch break, and I drink coffee instead of alcohol. So <laughs> It was forever before we had the money to get a theme song. It took us a long time, and we gathered a lot of feedback to format our show so that It was easier for listeners to get into and to enjoy because we have a lot of fun and we're drinking. So sometimes we can get a little (laughs) off topic and we figured out like what to do with those conversations. We're like, we should cut those and we put them up on our Patreon. That way, the people that really want to hear them can, but we're not creating these hour and a half long episodes where we go off on some sort of weird shopping tangent (laughs) because that happens. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) I love it. And I think for me, it's like just knowing that done is better than being perfect. And if you have something Mm -hmm. to say, put it out there, because I guarantee there's another person that can relate with you somewhere in this big, wide world of podcasting. Right. (laughs) Right. Or maybe it's not relatable necessarily, but maybe they need to hear it. Yes. And they're not hearing it from anybody else. Yes, for sure. So my final question and what I like to ask all of my guests, what is the most rewarding part of being a farmer for you? Oh, man. (laughs) I like that we're both just like got really deep there. (laughs) (laughs) I can go first. I'll let you go first. Okay. Okay. So I think for me, it's being able to care for animals and continually learn about them and their needs. And being in some emergent kind of situations where maybe you got to do the quick Google search and there might be like conflicting things that the internet's telling you to do and you just kind of got to pick one and do it and it works and that feels so great. But that kind of thinking on your feet and caring for the animals and knowing what's best for them, that's helped me build my confidence in all areas of life that 
if I can do this and if I can learn this, this special skill set, like even witnessing the birth of my first baby goats on the farm, like kind of half helping with that. I mean, the doe did pretty much everything on her own. But being in that experience, it made me feel like, wow, if I can do that, I can do so many other things in life. So I think it just that learning experience that constantly happens and that sometimes hurts so badly, it boils down to something that's always very rewarding because you're you're learning. You stole my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I went first. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So doing what I do now feels really extra rewarding to me because from the time I was the tiniest child, I knew I wanted to live on a farm. So that's always been like one of those long-term goals that I had in the back of my head. So now that I'm here, I'm like, all right, how do I make the most of this that I possibly can? And I try to get the kids involved and it feels really rewarding when they pick something out of the garden and they'll give it a try because we grew it here. Or like Aurora's talking, Aurora's my seven-year-old. I have to think about my kids' ages now because they keep getting older. (laughs) (laughs) When she says, she's like, I want to raise rabbits for 4-H next year, but can I build a garden so that I can put carrots and lettuce and things that the rabbit wants to eat in it so that we can feed our Aww. rabbit things that we grew here? Like, I feel sort of like I'm sparking a little something in them. Like, they may choose because, you know, sometimes you want to do the opposite of how you grew up. So, like, I didn't grow up on a farm, so I wanted to live on a farm, but my kids might be like, well, I grew up on a farm, so I want to live in the city. <laughs> and that's fine. They can do that. But I'm hoping that they'll get to take some of the lessons that we learned here with them. And I also find the sharing my mistakes and my stumbles and some of the things that have like really humbled me personally on the internet is rewarding because other people are chiming in and saying, gosh, me too. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not alone. It's okay to make mistakes. And I think it's been a great learning opportunity because, gosh, I've made so many mistakes. (laughs) Well, I think you both are amazing and are doing wonderful things on your farms and on your podcasts. And I have just loved speaking to both of you. And for my listeners who would like to be in contact with you after the show, where can they find you? So they can find us over on Instagram at Drink and Farm. And you can also listen to our podcast over on our website, which is drinkandfarm.com or on any podcast app out there. I think we've finally submitted ourselves to all of them. I'm sure there's a weird one that I'll discover (laughs) that I'll have to submit us to someday, but I'm pretty sure we're on all of them at this point. So yeah. Great. Bev, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It has been my pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having us. It was so fun. Yes, thanks so much for having us. Hey, have you been over to shop Wild Rose Farmer lately? There are so many new great t-shirts, tank tops, stickers, and more. There's even official Rural Woman podcast gear now, including great t-shirts and hats. Feel good knowing when you're shopping on Shop Wild Rose Farmer, you directly support the Rural Woman podcast. And don't forget, members of the Wild Rose Farmer community save 20% off their first purchase. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for all of the details. And happy shopping, y'all!
Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.